Hello, I'm Courtney Freeman. This is Conscious Cannabis. We're highlighting thought leaders in the cannabis industry and talking about conscious business practices. I'm here with Tony Forge of Four Leaf Consulting. She is an attorney. Tony, would you tell us about your background, please, and how you came to be an attorney working in the cannabis industry? Oh, I would love to. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, from Compton more specifically, and I have a really strong background in litigation and corporate um, transactional work. And it really brought me to cannabis in a very strange way in 2016. So I was doing an e-billing platform um, because I used to manage outside and inside counsel. I used to be head litigation manager for a big um, insurance company. And I, I just couldn't do it anymore in corporate America. I was like, you are sucking me dry. I am just going to end up into an amoeba. And oh, hold on. For those of you who don't know Tony, she has a very big personality. She's so much fun <laughs> and so great to be around. Uh, she really needs the freedom, the freedom to let her flag fly. Yes, as this is going to be flag flying, people. Um, and my next door neighbor happened to be Mick, uh, Monique Fitzgerald Jackson, okay. or Jackson Fitzgerald, um, who heads up Indica and is now in the cannabis space. But she said to me, you know, we should get into cannabis. And I thought, this is crazy. I have no background in cannabis cannabis. Um, but we started working together. We created Four Leaf Consulting. Uh, she's gone on to do bigger and better things with Indica. Check them out. They're great. Okay. Um, and I just saw, oh my God, there's no difference from this in every other emerging market that I worked with and as a corporate lawyer. You know, instead of doing dot com like I did in, in the 90s and the early 2000s, this is just cannabis. A new, it's a new emerging market. Yeah. It's a new emerging I market. I currency market. That was an emerging market. Exactly. Like, some of the same players. So it's yes. Yes. You see the same type of things for a young startup emerging market. And so once I said this is no different from what I've done historically, then I just started to see really how the plant has changed lives. And it's changed lives for me personally, for my family, um, and I really got into it. Um, more specifically, I really come from the background of helping young entrepreneurs or helping people get into the space. Mm. We all know this is a big money space, and this is a big money space that is hard for mom and pops who started this whole platform to really stay and be viable in. You have to have a lot of money. So I try to create this space that I'm helping people, um, that I want to give them an opportunity to be successful. And so I do that not only personally, but through the network that I work with uh, to make sure that these are people with a conscious, people who have integrity and character. And as you know, in this business, that is sometimes hard to find. So that's kind of where I come from. Tony, you've also made some contributions to local communities. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you've spoken with municipalities to mm -hmm. go and, and be a part of the process exactly. of creating permits, zoning, things of that nature. You worked with a lot of members of the community to kind of break out and define what the future of the cannabis industry will look like yes. commercially and um, how it will affect communities. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Um, I'm really trying to look at a space for communities of color which do not have a percentile in this business. Um, and really, how do we get minorities in this space? And the minorities that are in this space, how to make sure they're protected against predatory practices, because that is such a huge issue for me. Um, I always kind of argue with special interest groups because they're get 
all caught up in the licensing. And yes, we need to make sure people of color get the licensing, but that's not where the money is. The money is in the contracts. The money is in the relationship. The money is in making sure that you have the proper contract that is going to protect you so you can get this generational wealth as we have always talked about with social equity programs. What are a few of those pitfalls that you're maybe thinking about we can share? That's an excellent question. People don't realize managerial, you know, voting rights. Uh, when am I going to get my money? Do I have off all the investors? Am I going to be the last in line? Um, a lot of times with these social equity programs, they're three years. And so you and I know it takes more than a year for a business to get up and running, let's say a dispensary to get up and running after you're dealing with all the zoning and everything else to build out. And so that's your one down. And if I have in my contract that I am not an employee getting a salary, getting any money, but I'm going to be the last one in line after you're paying back all the investors, then that expectation of compensation is not going to be there because, you know, I'm not going to get paid out till year three, year four, maybe year five. And if my contract says that relationship is over in year three, then there's what no is there's absolutely no value. No value. So, absolutely so no value. There is a big winner in this scenario. It's not you. Whoever <laughs> this person is, this is not, this is a loser. Right. Uh, so, okay, that's huge. Right. And so that's why I'm so big about the documentation and so big about making sure these contracts are reviewed. And understanding what and, you're agreeing to. And understanding. If the attorney cannot tell you what this contract says, you need a new attorney, people, because I should be able in a fifth grade understanding tell you these are your rights as a CEO. Um, do you have voting rights? This is what your payout is going to look like. You know, if you want to get out of this LLC, these are the things you're going to have to do to get out of this LLC. Are you sure that this is a good partner for you? That's what I'm not seeing a partnership. I'm seeing that people are using people of color in order to get these licenses and then not partnering with them or giving them money that they're just due. I feel like if I may just share sure. a memory with you, um, I was at a holiday party. This was a few years ago and uh, the social equity program was kind of just starting to come mm -hmm. into play and all the attorneys at this event and it was a, it was an attorney event. Mm -hmm. Of course all it was. All the attorneys at this event <laughs> were just buzzing, right? buzzing, so excited about the opportunities and I thought to myself, wow, and I'd already, you know, invested some time researching social equity mm -hmm. in the program, what it looked like, um, what the application process was, the fact that you have to notify all of your neighbors at your cannabis business. I, was just, I mean, there were just a few things in there right. that just really remarkable um, and difficult, you know, to, to process in the, in the first place. But then, um, you know, it becomes about the money. How do we get the licensing, right? What's the optimal way to get the most licenses possible? And then what are we going to do to capitalize on those licenses? But the, the purpose of the program has good intentions. Right. It's to provide, you know, an opportunity for us to overcome the challenges that we face to this point that due to injustice. You know? Absolutely. And uh, how do we how do we look at the future and create new solutions? So um, maybe is there one thing you could tell us that you think could be um, solution oriented in terms of how we can approach these next this next year with social equity, especially in Los Angeles, it seems to be things are really. Uh, 
L.A. L.A. I I have a social equity huddle in Oakland. Oh, so by the way, we're your MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. Yes, we House are. Jane, Women Wednesday. We had Absolutely. a great time last night. Thank you for joining us. Um, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm going to use Oakland because they're a little more established in the social equity world there. But what I see a problem in Oakland is okay. once that... I like how you steered clear of Los, Los Angeles. This is good. Well, because Los Angeles hasn't really gotten yeah, no, up and go, rolling. Go you know, Oakland, Oakland yeah. is up and moving and rolling, and I've got some some examples of that here. Okay. But I think the city is the city has got to participate continuously. Mm-hmm. There has to be a social equity manager who is willing to really fight for the rights of individuals mm. in this program. That's what needs to happen. I think what happens is that once people get their licensing, the city kind of washes their hands and they can't because the predatory practices continue. Um, because again, some of these partners don't want to do what they're obligated under the ordinance or the contract to do because they feel okay now i have the license i don't need you anymore mm. because again the intention the is and that's it the recourse is litigation uh-huh. but who has money sometimes for uh-huh. litigation yep. one tip you need to put in all of your contracts i always do a mandatory arbitration clause okay. because if you don't have money for litigation you're gonna have a couple of hundred dollars, a couple of thousands to arbitrate these things. Uh-huh. And if you put this mandatory arbitration clause, that's really gonna help you out as a small entrepreneur in this space. Okay, that's important noting that. Yeah, but um, I really just see the city has to continue because we're now in Oakland with the huddle that I'm working with really taking this fight, not to social media, but to the media in general, to let them know this is what's continuing out here. You know, we really need the city to step in and say, you are going to partner with our social equity people as you contracted to do, as the ordinance says you're supposed to do. It's not, this isn't, this isn't a hands-off area. We want involvement. Yeah. Can Can I just quickly mention? Sure. And it, just because it's relevant, um, we rented this beautiful mansion here in Vegas. It's gorgeous, um, by the way. It wasn't easy to obtain a 420-friendly mansion for our event. And um, the day after we arrived, a member of the city government came to visit us <laughs> and make sure that we were who we said we would be, mm-hmm. um, that we were happy with our experience, and that we were getting what we thought we were getting. And I, I was, we were, we were all kind of taken back we were surprised by this and it was so impressive that we immediately were made to know that if there was some issue with the uh in the the you know the rental mm-hmm. company or people that we did have some recourse and, right. it, and 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 it was so difficult to acquire the airbnb but then they have this compliance and follow through behind it so the enforcement which which gives you the recourse you know so we're kind of in this area right now in cannabis where you know, in some instances, it's good because there's no enforcement. <laughs> you know, it gives time for things to adjust and shake out. But on the other hand, um, you know, in this instance, uh, we need to be a voice for those who have none. Absolutely. Know? And, you know, I see the reality is sometimes people feel powerless. You know, they feel like women experience this, that we always have to prove. And especially I can say for myself as a woman of color, I always feel I have to be a thousand percent better than the average white male attorney. And why is that? 
you know, because I have a good legacy. I know I went to a great law school. I know I did great work, but it's this always having to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. I let that go this year. I am who I am. I know who the fuck, <laughs> I know the who the heck I am and what I'm a good damn attorney. And I feel confident in that. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you don't, because you've never been in this um, arena before. Or because you've been incarcerated. Yes! Been, uh, yes! been victimized by injustice. Absolutely. And, and been through this process of feeling like you're not going to live your best life. Absolutely. And now you're supposed to turn around and be empowered and say, I'm going to, I'm going to look at the law and, and use it to my, you know, you got have, it. But how would they have known about this clause? Right. So Absolutely. This is, this is really vital for all of us to yeah. stand up for ourselves. You have to. Own. And especially when you're against what you perceive as knowledgeable business owners and, and they're not, but you know, they just play that confidence card that they are knowledgeable and you're sitting, Oh my God, you know, this is an opportunity for me to help my uh, family. I shouldn't say anything because how about if they pull out the money? You have got to. Um, what I try to do also with my clients is empower them because you have to be empowered in any business. Um, you're going you're to, yeah, there's going to be some things that don't go your way, but you have to stand up for yourself. And that's the part of the huddle that I work with in Oakland. I'm so proud of my clients mm. there because they're really standing up we're looking them. at a class action lawsuit potentially. Well, yeah, we are potentially because there's a couple of people um, that are upset. We're, we're trying to work with city government to have them. We're trying to get the word out to social equity groups and social equity businesses or just businesses of color that look, you know, unless you really partner with the correct people, this can happen to you too. I was just telling Courtney before we got online is I'm amazed in this space, the lack of due diligence. We're both from a corporate background. Before you buy any business, before you do, you know, forensic accounting, you do everything due diligence to make sure this business is about what they say they're about. And there's the documentation to say so. I am so surprised that some people partner with individuals. They don't even do a LinkedIn search, you know, find out if this person is what they say they are uh, before you're signing contracts. But they didn't. They didn't look them up at all. No, I mean, some of these not, people don't look not them up. In, but anywhere on the internet, didn't know. No. Tony, would you like to talk to us a little bit about what trends you see for the cannabis industry? What's hot? What's happening? Um, where's the movement going? I think we've seen so much press about a lot of layoffs, um, magazines, high times. Uh, specifically may be in trouble and the end I, of publications. I heard something last night someone said that there were a lot of layoffs. Right. And we see this. But what I see this as is a natural correction. You know, time is just history repeating itself sometimes. We saw this natural correction in early 2000s with dot-coms. And so remember when it was all this dot-com everything and the day trading and people thought they were going to get rich overnight because they just jumped into the industry without doing proper business plans, without mission statements, without wow. really intention around their businesses. I think this is the shake up now. The real businesses versus the people that just jumped in here for the get rich quick stuff. So maybe we can buy up those licenses. Is that what you're <laughs> I don't know if we is can that, buy up those. Because no, I don't know if we can okay, buy up those okay. licenses, but people are going to really have to come back to the table and figure stuff out. Mm. What is this business about? What are we trying to accomplish there? And I think the problem is people sometimes are just trying to buy up the licenses without looking at 
proper funding without looking at capital. I was amazed when I'm doing sometimes this application that people don't have any pro formas and they cannot tell you in three years what their money is going to look like. That's what cities want to know. That's what banks want to know. How do you think you're going to get this funding unless you're self-funding and got mm -hmm. a ton of money, but a lot of people, you know, don't. So I see this natural shakeout and correction and people really getting the intention behind what are we doing with this business in order to go forward and be successful. So long-term strategies instead of short-term immediate goals. Yeah. And it's worth noting too, Tony and I work with teams on mm -hmm. these projects that really take investors through that whole journey into mm -hmm. licensing mm -hmm. and there's no guarantees on the other end you know None. so that's something to be aware of um you know for those who have passion and really believe in this industry and what they're doing i think uh it's challenging but you need that perseverance and that's where the fire comes from but if you're just in it because you think it's like it's a maybe a short term uh, turnaround for what could be a, a good opportunity um i would say give yourself more time yes Yes, I, I definitely agree. You have to, you have to. And you have to really understand um, what you want your business to be about. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, what is the plan? I, I'm always amazed there's not this long-term strategy sometimes. You know, oh, I just yeah. want to have a dispensary. Okay. It's like, I just got this idea. No, yeah. Make it happen. I just okay. want a dispensary. Okay, so who are you? Who's your market share? Who have you looked at the demographics in the area? Who are you trying yeah, to market with? Location? Yeah, it's just not all about a location and funding. It's about how do you make that successful? You know, who's that market that, what's your niche? What is going to be attracted to, why should people come to you? There's 5,000 dispensaries, so why are they coming to you? And I'm amazed sometimes people haven't even thought that out. When if you're in any other business, you're going to think about that. You're absolutely going to think about that. Tony, these are amazing tips. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so everyone. Thank I you appreciate doing, it. Thank you for doing so much for your community. Thank for you. Making uh, the future of cannabis, you know, one that is more just, that is safer for all of us. And thank you for being us, being with us here on Conscious Cannabis. Absolutely. Um, would you share with us your domain and how we can get in touch with you? Yes, you can contact me at Tony, T-O-N-I, at Four Leaf Consulting. That's the number four. Or at www.fourleafconsulting.com. And um, I will get back with you. And I want everybody to be successful in this space. And so we're looking at 2020. And good luck to all. We're going to kick ass. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Courtney. To listen to this podcast and podcasts like this one, you can visit ConsciousCannabiz.com, C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S, Cannabiz, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. Thank you very much.